Welcome, and we are ready to uh, hear about our HR dashboards, and we're going to start off with you, Elizabeth. Oh, you're on mute. That's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see my screen? Yes. Uh, yes. Perfect. Just checking. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, good evening, everyone. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to present that. Uh, the two indicators for um, our time to fill, uh, and this is defined as the day it takes to fill a position after an opening has been posted. Uh, for the quarter, uh, average was 48.55 days. Our target for this goal is 51. So uh, we were able to achieve our goal of 51 days and we're also able to exceed that by 2.4 days for a total of 48.5 for the quarter. So we're kind of excited to have this as a very positive indicator. Any questions? Yes, one question. Uh, thanks, Ms. Capmarino, for presenting that. I, I think at the last meeting, I requested if you could uh, break it down by a subgroup. So thank you very much for doing that. I guess my question is, why do you think physicians and dentists are the shortest fill and onboard amongst all those groups because historically we've we've always uh, you know sort of held that that the, the the docs usually have the longest lead time but it's actually the shortest time to fill and onboard of all the groups and uh, business professionals actually is is the longest for, in, amongst both groups okay um I anticipated that question and it so happens awesome. that, <laughs> yeah, this uh, particular um, indicator was uh, the category had uh, internals for the quarter and that actually was uh, enable us to do uh, a shorter turnaround. They were internal postings, is that what you're saying? You're, you're talking about the, I'm sorry, I just want to clarify the question. We're talking about the, um, nurse practitioners and the uh so amongst the, the amongst dentists. the subgroups in both time to fill and time to onboard physicians yes. and dentists were actually the quickest in both categories and that sort of goes against i think historically what some of us kind of hold that they're they're usually the longest to get on board and i was just wondering yes. why that might be Yes, for the quarter, they were specifically uh, what brought what brought down the indicator was that we dealt with internal transfers. Okay. Any sense? So that was internal physicians filling an internal physician job. Is that what you mean by internal transfer? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. So moving from one department or one division to another? Because that doesn't usually happen very often. Okay. Yeah, and also from one category to another. Okay. Any other questions? 
Uh, yes, thank you. The next category was time to onboard employees. And um, here we are, what we are very challenged with an aggressive indicator of 19 days. Uh, so our total for the quarter was 23.47 days. And uh, this is an indicator that is um, significantly impacted by external factors. Uh, so it is a challenge for us to comply and primarily in the areas of the uh, management and business professionals, the onboarding is uh, more complex. And uh, unfortunately we did uh, terminate the quarter with 23.47, which was lagging from the previous uh, reporting. So, so the target where it says target goal, that's the goal that we're trying to reach is the 19 days. That is and correct. And the actual is the 23.47. Yes. Okay. Jen, I have a question. Yes. Um, can you give an example of what the, uh, the challenges that you indicated that impacts uh, external factors? What, uh, yes. Um, the primary external factors that we deal with is the, our ability to uh, clear the background, which, you know, we are we are dependent on, you know, the external county turnaround for us to be able to complete that. Um, in the areas of management and business professionals, uh, typically, they are required to do a notice of 30 days, and also um, it will not be a turnaround of two days, uh, two weeks, in order for them to be able to start a new position. So usually here, our average is not less than 30 days. And also, if uh, in some cases there is a relocation, even if it is within the state, that will also add some days to the process. Thank you. You're welcome. Any other questions? No other questions. I don't see any hands. Okay, I'll go over the next section. This is Karen Skillman. Um, the residents of Alameda County, we are tracking our applicants, our new hires, and our current employees. How many of them reside in the county of Alameda? Uh, this quarter, uh, we are 51% for our applicants were residents of Alameda County. 55% of our new hires were residents of Alameda County. And 60% of our current employee population is residents of Alameda County. So some of those are pretty uh, steady. Um, the uh, applicants uh, percentage went up a little bit. We have a target for this or is this just an observation we're posting it's an observation uh the previous uh board um asked us to track this and so we are continuing to track it but if there's something you would rather have on here than this if this isn't in you know uh something that speaks to you then you can let us know and we can replace it with some other metric if we can get it but this was just something that the previous board had asked us to track I guess my question are, are we making interventions to try to get more county residents to work here or are we just observing? I mean, it's just a question. We have it as a as a strategic like, level dashboard item. Like a targeted recruitment? Yeah. I guess if we're going to put it up here, what are we doing with this data? 
Well, uh, previously, uh, the board was interested in making sure that we were um, working to hire residents of Alameda County. And so there was, you know, specific outreach that was being done. Um, they were meeting uh, with um, the niche group. They're doing niche job postings to try to bring in local uh, residents. And I'm not sure if that is something that is continuing to happen. Um, so we would have to uh, talk to the recruitment team if that's something that is important to you. Um, and we want more of our population to be from Alameda County. Uh, we would probably need to kind of go rework some of that um, and target that that group more than is being done right now. Um, I think right now we're really just reporting off of it. One um, change, if I may. Yes, um, we've been meeting with the Private Industry Council. We've had a few meetings with them last year. And um, of course, our health path programs, all nine of those programs, we do try to generate, you know, um, Alameda County youth and Alameda County school-age children to be a part participant in our group. So those are really targeted recruitment efforts. And of course, we want to turn those health path interns into regular employees, which we've been quite successful at doing in, in many areas. So um, we, you know, I'd see it as still a goal um, within the strategic, strategic plan for HR. So I still see yeah. it as a goal. Yeah. And so, uh, so that's, I, I would sort of agree, one of our pillars is community. Right. So we're a $1.5 billion organization, 75% of our budget goes to HR. How much are we investing that back into our own county? I think would be a great metric to kind of to know that we spent, you know, nine hundred million dollars on employees of the uh, of the county. May I just yes, sir. I want to highlight something Lorna just mentioned because the the Oakland Public Industry Council is Lorna's doing that effort, and basically they are looking to create. I think it's ten thousand jobs, and um, so we are financially supporting the work, but we're also trying to create a pathway for folks who are in their program. A lot of them are coming out of incarceration. And so we're, you know, we believe that this is a way to help um, stem recidivism, getting people into, you know, consequential roles, their jobs that they can't do in healthcare, and we know that, but there are plenty of jobs they can do. And so I'm grateful that the HR team is working closely with the private industry council. And then, of course, Health Path, we have the ONRAP program, which is for um, junior college students to give them an opportunity, in addition to the summer student internship program. So. You know, to your point, creating new opportunities for folks from this community to find gainful employment within healthcare and hopefully at HS. Yeah, I, I think I think this board is all for that. And then I, I'm just wondering, as a trustee, what are our tracking mechanisms to figure out how much we've invested? Are we bending the curve in the direction that we want it? Because this dashboard, it's 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 actually it's it's fascinating stuff. And I'm not trying to undermine the work. I'm just trying to say, are we are we actually what? What does the trend line show? Are we actually bringing more Alameda County residents under the AGS of AHS? And and then you know maybe you know for future state, how much are we investing back in our community? It's one of our pillars. Yeah, and we can monetize what we've invested in that pillar. Yeah, and I, I think the I think the numbers you know kind of speak for themselves in terms of how many current residents we have and and you know, what we're actually doing. If you look in that last column, yeah. it says working with niche job posting sites to increase employment of local community residents at AHS. It also says creating partnerships with local community organizations, which is the JPIC that um, Lorna is heading up. So I think that it's, it's gonna constantly be that little asterisk that says work in progress, 
But the key part about that is that we're constantly moving towards targeting our Alameda County residents. And that's what I appreciate. We can come back to this group. And I wanted to also just make sure I gave Jeanette um, some credit since she made the introduction to the private industry council. So maybe we can come back in our next meeting and give you some feedback on what we've you know, what has happened to date since our meeting in November, October, yeah. Yes, ma'am, that'd be that'd great. Be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I mean, it's a great report and I'm happy to see that we're focused in, in the Alameda County. However, <laughs> I'm a little bit, you know, concerned because we know that it's very expensive to live in Alameda County. Okay. so. I'm just wondering if there's a way where we know, you know, uh, just um, there are, um, you know, families that cannot afford to be there. It's not a choice sometimes that they may end up moving to, let's say, Contra Costa County, right? Is that it's more affordable to even buy a house? So I want us to at least make a little bit consideration of it's not because of a choice and you know i've known people that they grew up here the the, the family was here for maybe 100 years but you know um the family may end up moving somewhere else you know like in contra costa because that was their opportunity to purchase homes so, I want to make sure that there's also opportunity for some of them. Not, it's good to focus, but at least give some, you know, also uh, focus on those people that did not have that option to have an opportunity to serve Alameda County, even though they may end up by no choice of uh, moving, you know, but it's still very close home, right? That may end up like in a Contra Costa County. So even they say, okay, we'll just focus maybe ten percent because they were, you know, from originally from here. So just you know. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna can I answer real quick, Mark? I was just gonna say we of course do broad broadcasting and we also do some very targeted recruitment. Like I've been sending things for like the Black Nurses Association, the Asian Americans. So we do do targeted also um, you know searches of in publications <clears throat> for certain groups. And most of our postings go everywhere, um, but we, we do want to work with like the private industry council in Alameda County. Um, we just finished a program, a cohort with um, Health Path with um, kids who are aged out of like they never had a job opportunity. So 18 to 25 didn't go to school. Um, and we partnered with the Roots um, Community Health Center. And so we've done things like that. And so we do both. Thank you. Um, I did. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to recall, Lorna, if we had presented this HR dashboard to our leadership team. Yeah, I have in, in times past, but probably not in the last nine yeah, months. Because, you know, there'd be some, I think there's some good discussion here um, around Dr. Bouquet, you know, the, are we hiring within our county or our area or not? And why? I mean, I think it could create some nice discussion with our leadership team because. That's where the applicants go, right? They go to those leaders and choose. Sure, I'd love to consider. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. And the breakout that Dr. Bouquet requested that you have here that shows the time for the various roles, I think that would be very kind of eye-opening for our staff to see <laughs> how some are, you know, pretty quick turn.
turnaround and others like the administrative ones are 50 days and so i think it's a really good data to share with the, with the leaders sure yeah. no more questions karen on that one okay the next uh couple of metrics i think greg is going to speak about Good evening, everyone. I'm tracking two workers' comp metrics for the dashboard. The first one is regarding lost days or average days lost per FTE. That went up slightly over last quarter, which is probably due to an increase in Greg, Greg, you froze. Let's see if he comes back. I do know that um, until Greg comes back, uh, there was some discussion about changing this metric. And uh, Ms. Terry, oh, so sorry, I flipped the switch here. Is Terry online, Terry Dixon? Yep, I'm on, Karen. Do you want to talk about this, uh, the change in this metric, uh, yeah, so, potentially? So, Go ahead. Yes, not a problem. So Greg did freeze, so um, call back in, and hopefully he can get back on. So we're looking at the total productive hours. When we look at the average lost days, it's based on the total productive hours. And based on that number, that's how you calculate the um, average days, which that fluctuates. We're also looking at the injury frequency rate, which is based on the number of claims and the number of FTEs. And AHS has seen a positive reduction um, based on our year-to-date in 2023, 5.6 versus 7.4. So we're following both metrics. And do we want to continue to follow both metrics? Or I thought we had discussed of trying to potentially move to the injury frequency rate. Going forward, yeah, we were looking at just moving forward with the injury frequency rate, but we're going to track both of them oh, to kind of okay. see how they both um, pan out over the next couple of quarters um, to see what that looks like. Okay. The uh, sec second metric that we're um, following is the number of workers' comp injuries, and it's nice to report a green 54 yeah. injuries in Q2 is just as well under their quarterly goal of 65 per quarter. And I'm sorry. Sorry that my connection dropped off. Oh, Greg, I'm I've started and I finished metric two, and I'm on on the second one. So if questions come up, I'm glad you're back. Uh, but I get okay. to report the nice green arrow that says we had a decrease in a number of of injuries, and that is probably due to our more meetings where leaders are more aware of incidents and tracking and reporting and following up with staff regarding root cause analysis to hopefully decrease the number of incidents going forward. So it's nice to see that number dropping. And just question, have we, um, I know this is probably several months ago, we talked about um, the possibility of, of getting equipment and things to be able to assist some of our physician assistants and some of our CNAs in um, being able to lift our patients and move our patients. Did we, ever, did we ever invest in any additional equipment on that, or we did, Mark? Well, 
Terry's doing a lift initiative, right? Yeah. I am working with, Greg and I are both working with the various leaders at um, the hospitals and safe patient handling. And we have started with Alameda Hospital and they have acquired um, equipment to um, for the staff <coughs> to use for patients. And now our next goal is to work with Highland and work through that process to do an equipment inventory. And we're partnering with uh, Beta. Great. I think that might be part of the reason for the reduction too. Mark, go ahead. Um, Greg, I, the injuries are down, but the days off are up. So when you dig down and look into the data, were there outliers that were really long that caused it to increase? Is there any any intelligence around the rationale for that being up when the injury rate is actually, when the number is down? Yeah, there's probably, Mark, a few outliers that are driving the lost days up. And that we have a few cases that um, where we have people that are, you know, over a year out due to their level of disability. And I think that's driving the, the lost days number up. There's, uh, I don't want to talk about specific people <laughs> and cases, but we do have a few outliers that are going to certainly drive that number up. Thank you. You bet. I was actually told too that in some cases, um, our docs are being more cautious about returning people back to work because of injuries being uh, coming back up again. And so they're kind of taking, you know, instead of giving two weeks, then maybe they're giving three weeks just to kind of make sure that things are happening. So they're fully recovered. Yeah, that they are fully recovered. So um, I actually heard that throughout Alameda County as well. Jeanette, did you have something? If I may, um, yes. Madam Chair, one of the things we're also doing is we've piloted a program at San Leandro when an employee has an injury, there's an immediate coming together of the manager and the supervisor. Um, they call, they create a conference call with Greg and with um, um, Chris Adams, the VP of nursing out there, and they discuss with, with the person what happened what could have been done differently. It's an educational opportunity, but it also allows us to help triage them to the right spot. Oh, you should probably go to the ED for this, or oh, just call beta, go home, whatever it may be. So I think I think that has helped us in, in more real time understand how we can improve the environment to prevent things, but also get them to the right level of treatment. Yeah, right level of care, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Greg. No other questions. Okay, this page uh, is about. This page is about turnover. Um, the top section is system turnover. The bottom section is nursing turnover. Um, our turnover is looking very good this quarter. Um, an annualized percentage of 10.2%. Uh, our goal was changed to 17%. Um, so we are uh, well under that. Um, our first year turnover is at 21, is, is annualized at 21.81. And that means that really it was 5.45% for the quarter. We multiplied it times 
four quarters to annualize it to see what it would be if it continued in that same fashion. So uh, first year turnover, 21.81%. Uh, second year turnover, 13.23%. Um, and our top reasons uh, are resignation. Uh, we had people that were terminated for noncompliance of HR um, requirements, uh, some disciplinary actions and some retirements. Um, in the nursing area, um, our annualized, uh, calculated annualized turnover is 13.69. Our first year turnover is 29.12%. And our second year, oh, it dropped all the way down to 8.76%. So that, that was nice. Uh, and you can see the number of terminations that happened. Uh, in the nursing area, the res it's all the same reasons. Uh, resignation, HR noncompliance. Uh, retirement and disciplinary actions. Those were the top reasons for people um, leaving the organization um, this quarter. Do people do, do we have a, an idea of what those resignations look like? Because it looks like it's about 136. We do. I mean, when we uh, have people leave the organization, they typically say I'm resigning and they don't give a lot of information on their resignation letters. Uh, but uh, we do have the exit interview process that is happening. Uh, so we have an outside vendor that will reach out to people that have left the organization and take a survey with them. And if I may switch to the next screen, it's about that. Are, are you okay if I switch screens? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, so this is our data from our exit interview dashboard. We have about 40 to 45% of our separation employees responding to exit interviews. Um, and so then when we see that they resigned, uh, the Work Institute, which is the company we've hired, uh, is going and calling or sending um, electronic surveys to people to find out really what does that mean uh, when they say that they're resigning. Uh, and so... This is the uh, information that we are getting back. Uh, they want a different work-life balance. Um, they have issues with the management, uh, issues with the environment um, for because of their health or family, um, the job and the career um, advancement, uh, or they've left to find another job, or they have found another job, retirement, and then we have people that have been involuntarily separated. Uh, that's the top pie. Uh, this, the bottom pie is how they rate the organization. So even though they've left, you can see that the light blue, the dark blue, and the orange, those are all positive pieces of pie. <laughs> um, they rate the organization good, very good, or excellent uh, as they leave the organization. So um, that, I think, is is nice to see that they, they are rating the organization high even though they're leaving. Um, and then the chart to the left, the column, uh, excellent, very good, good. This is how they're rating their jobs. And again, a large percentage uh, are favorable. Um, so even though people are leaving the organization for various reasons, uh, they still are rating um, the, the organization pretty well. Okay, on to the next. Uh, we just wanted to show you and remind you about our dashboards. Um, so we do have three dashboards. The business intelligence team in the IS department helped us build them. Uh, they get refreshed with new data every day. Uh, and uh, it's on the intranet page in the HR division. Uh, there's a button uh, for HR dashboards. Uh, we have a diversity dashboard that everybody can look at. 
the turnover dashboard and the exit interview dashboard that I just showed you, those are limited to managers and above. Um, and because it has some, you know, confidential information. So um, the, the, and then we have confidential versions in HR. So if a manager needs to find out a little bit more information, or we start seeing some, some uh, telling information on the dashboard, uh, the employee relations consultants can uh, go talk to a manager and give them a bit, a bit more of the confidential information that we just don't want to broadcast to everybody. Um, so our uh, this is our turnover dashboard for the quarter. Uh, we had 249 new hires and 147 ter uh, terms or separations. Uh, 50 were first year, 23 second year. Um, and then this is just a chart showing that same information. Um, and we are green on our little gas gauge here. Uh, so we are under our target. And this section is the same information. It's just in a table format. Um, and all of our managers can go here and look at this, uh, find their department. And uh, down the left here, we have filters. So if somebody just wanted to see, well, what is it in this one union? Or what is it in this department? Or what is it at Highland? Uh, if you click on the filters, it will adjust the numbers to reflect that location or that union. Um, and our last dashboard is diversity. Um, and it is showing uh, the from this page. There's many pages on these dashboards, and I just took a picture of one of them. Um, I like this one a lot. It's about uh, the age population here at AHS. Um, and you'll see that there are 71% of our employee population is female and 28% is male. Um, the parts of these charts are showing which ethnicity people uh relate to. Um, and uh, when you, we also have filters down the side, and I know in the past, if you click on 60 and 70 year old ages, there's a very large population of employees. Uh, we'll call them experienced and seasoned employees here at AHS. It, it is a large population of people that are age 60 and above. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Ms. Gilman, is, uh, thank you for this presentation. Is one of the filters available? I haven't played with this dashboard. Um, leadership? Yes, there's a second tab. Uh, well, there's actually, like I said, many tabs. Uh, yeah. One of them is you can do the same filters, but it's looking at the level in the organization. So you could look at executives or directors or managers, um, frontline staff, and see what the same breakdown is for that, those different categories. Um, and then there's another page that actually tracks people based on the EEOC classifications, which are different than just executive and manager and director. It's uh, it's what we're required to report on our EEO1 reporting. Uh, and so we have the dashboard broken out by those classifications as well. Would it, would it be possible, Madam Chair, in the yes. future, maybe to get a breakdown on like how, how our leadership is divided by by all these criteria. That's a great idea. Because, yeah, we know. can print off, um, you know, the um, additional pages of these dashboards and share them with you. Thank um, you. Yeah, that would not be a problem. Just a quick question for you. Um, on the, under location, it says Arizona employee, Colorado employee. What What is that? Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, during the pandemic, we had several employees move out of state. Um, and so we have a group of employees that are working outside of the state of California. 
I will say that the majority of them are I, IS people. Um, we have other administrative like people that are working outside, working remotely outside of the state of California. So we are um, supporting 20, I think it's 20 states right now. Um, and I will add that it is difficult to keep keep that maintained and have the proper taxation and, and all of that. But we do have uh, employees in 20 different states right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're not in Alameda County. There's the few that are not in Alameda County. <laughs> We reached way out. Way, way out there. I mean, it started with the pandemic, you know, because everybody could was working remote and had to go be with their families and their parents. And so then some of them just found it very convenient and didn't come back. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So today during the, the desktop chat, somebody said, would it be possible for James to do rounding with um, remote employees in the same way that he does it with employees in the system? And so, you know, I said, I'd be happy to take a Zoom call with them. I said, if you think I'm going to go to their homes, that would be no. <laughs> but James, yeah. we do have a couple employees in Hawaii. Oh. Yeah. I may make an no, exception there. for them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but those employees did get approval, right, that because they could still work remotely and able to move out of Alameda County. Right. Yes, we had a process. Um, actually, um, Mr. Fraske was part of putting together a collaborative group. We looked at the policy. We changed the policy. We changed the procedure about how they apply. Everybody had to reapply for the remote work situation. Um, and that happened, I think, at the end of 2021. Yeah. So, yes. I mean, I'm just, that's good. To know. I mean, it's good that there's a process also. And then if you really look at, you know, the previous report of the percentage of when people are exiting, right? It's the report like balance of anything. So I think to really, you know, consider all this. Because that's going to be really the future. Mm -hmm. Remote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I don't think it, that's a bad thing. Yeah. Not just that yet um, when I'm saying remote, but I think there's some analysis that the next generation that's coming, that's what is the highest of the things that they're saying. We want work-life balance. So how do we really make sure that we're able to accommodate that? Because that's going to be, you know, the future, what's going to happen, the next generation, but this and that. And so they did some analysis, and that's what, you know, a lot would like, no, work-life balance. So we have, so I'm glad that. Doing the work. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I believe the next part of the presentation is by um, Arlene Onole. Right. Karen, good evening, everyone. Um, as we head into our uh, review of organizational learning and effectiveness, I would like to take this opportunity to introduce to you uh, Camille Salter, who has been since our last meeting with you last quarter, has been promoted to manager of organizational learning and effectiveness. So um, it's great to have Camille join today. And she was very much involved in presenting these slides. So um, I'll ask Camille to chime in if, I, uh, if there's anything to add to what we are providing today. So our first slide 
I'm sorry. Uh, our first slide is a high-level overview. We will go into each of these uh, areas. We'll talk about professional development for individuals, for Leadership Academy, as well as individual contributors. We'll talk about the various uh, opportunities that we are offering for professional development. And then we'll move into cultural improvement uh, related to emotional intelligence, as well as our affinity groups. And finally, we will make note of um, our compliance and completion ratings for uh, required trainings around workplace violence prevention and sexual harassment. Next slide, please. So leadership is defined as supervisors and above with direct reports. Uh, as we uh, embark on our 2024 calendar year, we will be convening eight cohorts and scheduling them to go through uh, Leadership Academy. Um, you can see the curricula there. We are starting with the DISC assessment. DISC is an acronym for Dominance, Influence, Steadiness, and Conscientiousness. It is a personality assessment or style assessment. And the focus in the context of Leadership Academy is around self-awareness, improving teamwork, making conflict more productive and managing more effectively. This DISC program, that's the, the foundation of our Leadership Academy. And then we add onto that skill labs that have been developed by our own colleagues within Alameda Health System that are them subject matter experts in their respective areas. We have skill labs that are presented by teams from human resources, information technology that is new this round process improvement, disability and leave management, finance, quality, compliance, employee relations and investigations, and data literacy. So Leadership Academy is really intended to be um, all-encompassing, very comprehensive, and again, um, provided by our own internal uh, experts. <clears throat> Any questions before we move on to the next slide? So, um... Arlene, it seems a little ambitious to have eight cohorts. So are you starting them in different places or are you wrote, how is that working? Sure, yes. So the eight cohorts will be spread throughout the calendar year. We just um, welcomed one this morning. It's about 20, 25 individuals. They are, the cohorts are interdisciplinary. Uh, they represent different divisions, different locations, different years of service. Uh, and um, we, we, primarily conduct one cohort at a time. So the eight cohorts will be spread through this calendar year. And how many sessions do you have for each cohort? It's a, I think that's on the next slide. If we could oh, okay. talk to that one. Thank you. Uh, well, here are the, um, I think it's on a subsequent slide, but I'm gonna, um, if, if I don't answer this question in the next couple of slides, we will answer your question, Trustee okay, Chapman. No um, I believe it's it's several sessions. It's uh, Camille. Yes, it's actually sixteen sessions. So each week, there's six, uh, twelve sessions. So each week equivalents to two sessions a week. So twelve sessions we have per week. I mean per six sections. Great, so, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Camille. In addition to the formalized scheduled Leadership Academy, we offer electives or leadership development courses that our leaders are uh, offered at any time. You can see the list there. I won't read them, but 
not notated in italics is uh, are those that are offering continuing education units which are very appealing to those with licenses and those who need to, to, to document their ongoing education for professional purposes. Um, we have added this year the creating an individual development plan, which is a uh, customized uh, roadmap, if you will, for professional development based on goals and performance. Um, and we've also uh, ongoing, our uh, talent management offers quarterly uh, orientation to our position manager platform, which is around recruitment. Um, and then we also continue to have a uh, online library of self-paced courses that individuals can select at any time. And that's open to everyone in the organization. And may I please add, also, we are in the process of working on CMEs for physicians. So we will be piloting um, at least one of these leadership development courses. And I think we're focusing on implicit bias because I, I, I'm working with um, Jenna Reznor. So that's um, Michelle Woodson and myself. And so looking forward to possibly now encouraging more participation with our physicians and giving them the um, CMEs that they need for their continuing education as well. Next slide, please. Uh, so professional development for individuals. This is primarily for unrepresented, but we also have uh, programs for represented employees. Uh, in March of 2023, we launched a professional development academy for individual contributors. Uh, you can see the curricula there. It was We also included DISC for this, this group and then complemented that foundation with active listening and feedback, effective communication, managing up and time management. And to ask, answer your question, Trustee Chapman, around the commit, the time commitment, this, is, this, this program spans two weeks and it is four three-hour sessions for individual contributors. Next slide, please. So uh, we had piloted about a year and a half ago, a program uh, with a vendor called Growth Space, where we offered career coaching to individuals. Uh, again, this is unrepresented at this time. Um, and it was, it was extremely successful. The survey that we conducted internally, that we administered internally to the initial participants was extremely positive, separate to our efforts the vendor growth space administers routinely uh, participation participant survey for satisfaction purposes and their results were very high as well. So we have, um, we've renewed that contract for two more years, 100, 100 participants over the span of two years. The, what we negotiated originally was oftentimes this, this type of vendor when partnering with an employer will utilize it for the purposes of performance management and the coaching model will include the participant, the coach, and the manager. Because this is under the umbrella of total rewards or employee benefits, we asked that we not have the manager participate in this particular program. And so it was solely for uh, individuals who are interested in 
pursuing career coaching and executive coaching through this vendor. That is the model that we will continue. And again, it is under the umbrella of total rewards, employee benefits. You can see the original pilot was with 50 participants. Um, as I said, the feedback was extremely positive. And we launched another cohort of 50 participants in December of 2023. And again, we just renewed our contract to span two years and another 100 participants. This is a, just a snapshot of the, um, the scope and the pricing. Uh, I think our, our renewal is $100,000 over two years for 100 participants. Next slide, please. Tuition reimbursement is a policy we, policy we established um, about a year and a half ago. It needs to coincide with the calendar year for tax purposes, but as we're budgeting, we all, of course, look at the, the, um, the fiscal year. These are the criteria for tuition reimbursement, full-time unrepresented staff or member of ACMEA, uh, worked a minimum of 12 uninterrupted months on payroll upon completion of the course, no formal, formal warnings and manager approval. And I would add it primarily needs to, the, the coursework needs to relate to the job or the organization. Next slide, please. So uh, the approved programs are certificates, associates, bachelor's and master's degrees. You can see the reimbursement amounts there. Uh, this is by calendar year again for tax purposes. We have received requests, occasional requests for uh, increases um, as some, for, as, especially in undergraduate studies, um, some exceed the $3,000 maximum. So we will partner with um, our finance team and see what is possible. In terms of utilization, um, it's it's been moderately received. Those who have taken advantage of this are extremely um, extremely gracious for the opportunity for the benefit. Um, I think initially we were anticipating more more uh, participation, but um, we will review utilization at the end, uh, for this past calendar year as we wrap up um, our performance for this year. Next slide, please. The mentor mentorship the mentorship program is going very very well as well. Uh, we have we've just launched our second cohort. It's been in place since October. We currently have nine mente mentors and nine mentees and. Um, the mentee, mentors are primarily uh, vice presidents and above. Mentees range. Um, one of our divisions is, uh, is having vice presidents go through as participants in order to serve as mentors in the next cohort. Um, it's very individualized. And to uh, Dr. Phuket's comment earlier about succession management and leader demographics, perhaps as they're retiring, uh, mentorship is programmed as, excuse me, is positioned as succession readiness. And so uh, there's, a, there's a focus on that as well. Any questions about our mentorship program? No, that's great. Any other, any questions, comments? No, thank you very much. Hey, 
So cultural improvement. We have affinity groups that we've established. Um, some are more active than others, but we have a nice uh, cross-section of our organization and always welcome uh, anyone to begin an affinity group if they'd like to. We also wanted to emphasize that it's not solely focused on participants who identify in that affinity group. It also uh, includes and welcomes allies to that affin to affinity groups as well. So it, it, the intention is to uh, cast the net very broadly and be inclusive. We also, um, in terms of culture, um, have been very successful in um, bringing into our organization uh, at, at an individual, a motivational speaker named D.B. Bedford. He has a very fascinating story. He's a uh, grew up in Oakland and has a lot of uh, words of wisdom for everyone. He's been working with a lot of organizations, including healthcare, and really focuses on emotional intelligence. We have uh, scheduled sessions that are open to anyone. It, uh, the first year we scheduled sessions that were very focused on in specific departments. Then we opened it up more broadly to anyone and everyone. And in that wave of his sessions, there's been a, um, a, a uh, kind of momentum in the interest so much so that it came through on one of the leadership chats. There was a request to have DB Bedford join one of our leadership chats. And so we are uh, coordinating that and it looks as though it may work out for January 31st. So we, we wanna um, strike the iron when it's hot, if you will, and tap into his, his uh, the interest that everyone has in, in his speak, speaking. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just a review of the affinity groups. We process established and communicated the, the affinity groups interest in express expressed when surveyed and the HR Workforce Development Task Force will facilitate launch of the groups. Next slide, please. And finally, uh, you know, in our efforts to focus on accountability and compliance. We wanted to report that um, our regulatory required training for workplace violence prevention and sexual harassment, which is annual, um, as of the deadline this past year, we had a completion rate of 81%. Incomplete learners were 19%, and you can see the breakdown there for incomplete with a total of 5,025. So we are focused on increasing our compliance here. And Code gray, table fourth floor, ER fast track. Code gray, table fourth floor, ER fast track. And, and if there are no other questions, I will um, conclude and thank you. Thank you very much. That was... Yeah, that was a lot to take in. <laughs> a lot of good information, a lot of good things that, that you know, our HR team is doing. So just want to take a minute to appreciate all of you. Uh, Camille, I don't think I said congratulations on your promotion, so congratulations um, to you. But yeah, just want to appreciate what you all are doing. It's a lot of good work, a lot of good information, a lot of good data that is, is presented. And I like the idea that you have uh, individual contributors as well as our supervisors and managers in the trainings because oftentimes they go unnoticed. So thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, I appreciate this and uh, 
this, this is to the leadership group. This is a, a piece of feedback as a graduate of the Leadership Academy. This is an all clear message uh, for the I've had intermittent discussions with some of the people who are my cohort. This and is this an is good from, from a PR perspective. Many of them said, boy, it would have been nice if there was a cohort picture and if there was some type of certificate that was given and maybe put a big shot signature on the certificate. And 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 I, a lot of people were like, oh, I graduated in an oh. So I, I think there's a, a nice little opportunity there, which which probably wouldn't cost very much. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. We are in the process of working on Putting out those certificates, we're a little backlog, but we'll make sure within the first, first quarter, everyone that deserves their completion of certificate will receive it shortly, sir. So thank you. We appreciate that. And that includes me, too. I got it. <laughs> yeah, I was with you. That's what he really wanted. Yeah, I just wanted my certificate. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe you could also add not just giving them a certificate, but having a little ceremony, like a little graduation. It is. A, I mean, then invite, you know, James, yeah. sure, so that people can see that well, there's value. There's value, right? So I would really encourage that. I mean, we do that also. I have a boot camp. Uh, we have an internship program that, as you know, we are invited and the people, the, the uh, members that goes to our internship program appreciate if they see us in that little ceremony. So it would be really good if we could do that. So and again, I, buzz people were like, "I want to be one of those." Yes, right? exactly right. Yeah. So that also, you know, marketing because they get us spread it out. Yeah, and then they see James there. That would be great. <laughs> I mean, because the people feel like they're important, right? And that Agreed. is, you know, that's, yeah. for me, that's really important when they, because they don't get to see the, the senior staff, but once they see you there, they feel like appreciated and, you know, that they feel like, oh, wow, that's so important, right? So hopefully that, that's something that you guys could also add. And that's something that we actually do at Healthcare Services Agency as well. We have, um, uh, a similar, not as robust, robust, robust program as you guys have, but we do have a similar program like that, and we um, invite all of the uh, graduates at the end, and our agency director comes on, and we do it virtual, but she comes on and gives a spiel, and then, you know, our department directors, they all give congratulations, and, and it's just nice to see everybody's, I mean, they see me all the time, so... Their, their little eyes don't light up when they see me, but when they see Colleen, <laughs> when they see Colleen Chavla, our agency director, or one of our department directors from public health or behavioral health or environmental health, their eyes just light up and it, it just gives them joy, you know, to say, I finished the Supervisors Academy, you know, and my director came and thanked me. So, I mean, just an idea, just as a suggestion, because you guys are doing a lot of good work and. A lot of good work. Yeah, and, and our employees are, are already recognized for it, so just that little extra will probably go a long way. Great feedback. I, I just wanted to add two things that I think is important. One is they're in the midst of creating a physician-centric leadership academy. Um, they're working with HMG leadership to kind of create that. Um, I think that's important for you to know. And then also on the part of um, the affinity groups, I think it's important for you all to know that we still have um, an issue with participation in many of our affinity groups. I still chair three of them, um, but yeah. you know, we're trying to transition. Some of them have taken off and have a lot of participation, um, 
but yeah, we still have a lot of challenges there. We, we did talk to GME. They have their own affinity groups, but theirs is a little bit different. They feel their program is a little bit more aligned, like a, a mentorship program where they're, you know, getting to talk to attendees, right, in their disciplines. And so um, we didn't have alliance there or an alignment. Um, so we're, we're going to start probably a marketing campaign to get people involved. Um, they said they wanted them, and then we created them, but, you know, some of them have a good participation. It's just nobody wants to take the lead, right? So, like, the Bean group, there's, you know, over a dozen people that regularly attend that group, but um, we don't have the level of engagement that we'd like, so we're going to keep working on that. Thank you. Thank you. And then I will go ahead and share my slides. Yes, I think last on the Before I do, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that I have um, here Maritza Zamora. She's our new manager of talent, and she's an internal promotion. Um, some of you know her. She was in HR originally, then she went to the ED, and then she went to medical staff, and now she's back in HR. So um, I wanted to make sure I did a call out for that. We're very excited to have her. Oh, welcome aboard. So this is my CHRO report, and I'm just going to go ahead and launch in. Please let me know if you need me to stop. What's my, there we go. So uh, the agenda, new law updates, want to touch base with all of you about the Juneteenth holiday. And then I just have some quick facts, human resources and review metrics that I shared with you last year as well, just to give you kind of an idea. I uh, wanted to call out the, um, oops. I did do um, an HR forum last Friday um, for management, and I did go over all the new legislation that impacts our work. Um, and this is just uh, about the COVID sunset, um, and it sunsetted on January 1st. Um, oh, let me go back to this one. One important change is that you, you may remember during COVID, there was a rebuttable presumption that if you got COVID and you worked in healthcare, that it came from the healthcare. That rebuttable presumption is now also effectively ended on January 1. So this one is caused a lot of discussion with our leaders and they asked a lot of questions about it. I covered it in a nursing leadership retreat last week and also on the HR forum. Um, two different laws around cannabis. Um, the important takeaway for all of you to know is that we're no longer testing for metabolites. Metabolites are the things that I guess exist in your body as a I'm non-healthcare practitioner, so please excuse me. <laughs> um, but that's when we test, it will show prior usage from maybe several weeks ago. Um, we legally in California cannot test for that anymore. We feel that um, we had legal review um, that we uh, still can test uh, for cannabis usage, but it will be recent usage. So instead of being weeks that we'll go back and test metabolites, we're now testing just for current or recent usage. So now we're talking about days. Um, and we still think it meets the spirit of the federal provisions about being a drug-free workplace. However, I thought it was important that we touched and let you know that we no longer would be testing new employees for those metabolites. Um, this goes, this is a little bit of a nuance. Um, this is a different bill. Um, it, it basically um, prohibits discrimination based on prior usage. Um, I think the important thing for you all to know is that um, we didn't use this as an exclusive 
issue for, you know, um, in our background checks or in the hiring process anyways. Um, but it doesn't change our um, current recreational, um, it doesn't change our current uh, being under the influence at work policy. So if somebody comes and presents under the influence, we do test that is subject to potential, you know, um, discipline up to including termination, although we try to do some prevention before we get to that point. Um, but we thought that was important for you all to be aware of. Before I go on, are there any questions? Um, Equal Pay Anti-Retaliation Act. This also became effective January 1. This is kind of brings back a rebuttable presumption. So this basically brings back a rebuttable presumption or a prima facie case um, that somebody, if they've made um, a complaint in the last 90 days um, that about their wage and hour issues or equal pay, that if we were to discipline them without you know, facts and circumstances that would substantiate why we're disciplining them, there is this rebuttable presumption um, that is now in effect. Expansion of paid sick leave. Um, got some questions on the CEO chat um, in the past few weeks. We are already compliant. Um, thank you, Jonathan Sue, who did a very thoughtful analysis. He went through all of our legal contracts and basically ensured that we're all compliant already. And so we are already compliant with both the state and the Oakland Sick Leave Act. So um, SB 848 is reproductive loss leave. This is a new leave policy. We'll be creating a new um, leave of absence policy um, to uh, reflect this new law. And as you can see, it's up to um, five days of reproductive loss leave for somebody who, you know, fails uh, adoption, miscarriage, stillbirth, um, a maximum of 20 days in any 20-month period. Um, for many of our um, staff who are um, trying to conceive, this will be a very added comfort for them um, going forward. Minimum wage for healthcare employees. I'm sure you all know about this. That takes effect June 1st. Um, what you may not know is that we're working currently to ensure that we're all compliant with this. Many of the uh, staff that would be affected are actually mine. They're in health path. So these are interns, and uh, we'll be working with legal and with high-risk uh, Karen Skillman to ensure that we're all uh, compliant before the June 1st date. Um, this is uh, SB 525, so basically extending um, contracted and subcontracted employees of a healthcare facility. Um, and I think I missed, oh, here we go. Sorry, I skipped a slide. Um, so basically, um, this is starts also June 1st, um, and, and basically this gives them um, uh, the rights to, I believe, unionize. I think I'm, one of my slides might be out of sequence, so I apologize. This is more of the, excuse me, this is more of the minimum wage requirement. Here we go. 1484 is extending the right to be a part of the union for our staff that are contract or temporary that want to join the union. And so now they will have the ability to do so. They no longer will have those provisions, which we do have some in our contracts, which says they have to be a regular employee and be here 30 days. Those will probably be null and void. 
Oh, and I just included this just for your knowledge. This one is a hate crime policy. This came, this will be in effect July 1st, and it basically um, has, uh, uh, it makes law enforcement agencies requirement, required to implement a hate crimes policy and provide training to peace officers. Um, and I, I like to include anything that may even touch upon Alameda Health. And since we have law enforcement at our facilities, this is a, something that I included. So now I'm getting to the next item on my uh, agenda, which is the Juneteenth holiday. Um, some of you may remember, I brought this to you probably many meetings ago, more than one time. So now that the county has um, made this a paid holiday and mirrored the state, we would like to include um, Juneteenth as a holiday. Um, I think in prior communications to the board, I told you I was going to try to bargain this with some of the unions starting in 2022. Well, unfortunately, that didn't work. The union, we were the first union that we attempted to bargain this provision with, um, rescinded the proposal. They didn't want it, so um, they wanted uh, something else. And so uh, we've come to the conclusion we want to be on par with our county, um, with our county leadership and the, and the state of California. And so. Um, we are coming to you just to see if there's any concerns about us implementing this additional holiday. It so this is an add. Sorry, I, I yeah, yo, go ahead. This is an add-on to our ten existing. Yes. So not not a not a replace or anything like it's an add-on. It's an add-on. Yeah. We well for some that we our our initial goal was to go after those um, union agreements we were actually in active bargaining with to maybe replace it with a floating holiday. And we thought it would be beneficial for the employees because floating holidays, if you right. don't, they're using them or lose them, right? Yeah. And so we thought that that would be beneficial. But a lot of people love floating holidays because yeah. they can use them on their birthday or whatever they want. And so we weren't able to do that. And so um, we had started in 2022. Um, Karen had made, um, had went ahead and got all the payroll information and made some, you know, projections for what it, the cost would be. And we shared those with finance. Um, and so the costs have went up exponentially, of course, you know, in the past 18 months. But we feel that we need to do this at this point to make us on par with the other groups. And, you know, we do have um, we have eight active contracts still open because we we, we believe that we would have some closed by now, but we don't. Um, and but with out of those eight, we do have four or five that we already know are asking for Juneteenth as a holiday. And what else do we have? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Do we have that number or is it disclosable in this committee meeting? I that number it, for this holiday. The cost. Oh yeah. yeah. Public. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. yeah. So I don't want to put Karen on the spot. It was 2.2 million in 2022. Karen, do you remember the last time we met with payroll what that number was? No. Oh, you're on mute. No, I don't know what offhand, but I can dig for my worksheet while you guys are talking if if I can find it in time. Sure. Okay. We last revisited this with finance, I believe in October. Just told them, you know, again, we have to add, yeah. you know, all the colas and all the increases in union contracts and, and what that would be. Um, so just let me know, Karen, when you when you get that information, should I just carry And the on? actual date is uh, June nineteenth. Yeah, right, be a, and so that would be the, sure. that'd be the standing date. That is That's the standing counting, date, yeah. and the Bean Group, the Black Affinity Group, is always has a celebration. 
Last year, we had a celebration at all the campuses, attempting to make sure everybody felt included, um, and which was challenging, right, at some of our campuses, because most of our members are here at Highland. Yes. Um, so we're going to do the same thing this year for Juneteenth, same with uh, Black History Month. We'll have, you know, recognition and events at each of the campuses. Um, we usually have speakers. And that agenda will be coming out probably uh, the week of the 29th, so the week after next. So is it, would that be a board action that we would have to That's right. do yeah. at the recommendation of our HR committee? Is that uh, how that would work? So or? I don't think we, uh, this is a recommendation item, but you get to hear it. If you want us to come back and make it into a recommendation, we can do that or we can go. But it will have to go to the board. To right. Get the board. So okay. Cool. Yeah. So just... That's what I would say. Is that unless you guys have any concerns? I, I just, I just want to know the number. That number two point two is actually smaller than I thought it would be. So I, I have a little minuscule smile. I thought it was going to be uh, twice. Um, when we did the analysis, it was in October of twenty twenty three. Oh, oh, at two. Uh, one point eight eight five. So one point nine million. One point nine for the holiday. Yeah, to add an extra holiday, but then you also have to add. Um, and I don't have this number, but I'm just going to provide some information. If it's a holiday and you have employees working on the holiday, they get time and a half. So there will be an added cost. Yeah, that's that's the number that I want. To right. And I don't all have in, that. Okay. Yeah. And then you also, the, the number, of course, will go up because as we settle contracts, yes, people's pay will go up. So that number will, you know, of course, go up and we can report out on that. Um, but we thought it was important that we, that was one of the, the issues I remember at prior meetings that was brought up was the county had done, even if the state had done it, we, the county had done, not the, the county has, so that we were trying to be in alignment with the county. Yes, so council, do, do we, do we, will you give us, or do we need a recommendation? Or does, does it, does it, does it give us strength? It's not agendized, so we can't. So I apologize. I didn't make it an action item. It was oh, more informational. Yeah, yeah. No, that's okay. We just, just want to make sure how, how you can so, be supported. Yeah. Do we have to do it first and then go? You you don't. Uh, it's not that's on the agenda. Uh, it is on the agenda. You can actually take a, an action on it tonight if you'd like. We have some language that we've put in all of our board agendas that says anything on the agenda is subject to action. Uh, you could do that, but it's not necessary. So it's up to you if you want to make a recommendation to the board. You could, um, or we can go directly to the board and, and during your HR report out in that board meeting. Let them know like we discussed it and we, we told staff that we gave staff direction. Direction. This is just, I just thought you guys would want to know this perspective. It's actually been a, ho a recognized holiday in the state of California since 2003. It just wasn't a paid holiday. So this is just some metrics. So thank you to uh, Elizabeth and Maritza for providing this data points. And we just wanted to show you, a, you know, an annual like year to date, so average time to fill, time to onboard. Um, one number that always gives people 
you know, they always say like 1,900 positions. This includes uh, transfers, right? Um, but that's how many jobs our recruiters filled this, in the past year. And that's the number of FTEs. Um, 926, I think this is an important um, uh, metric for us to keep remembering because we do get, I get a lot of feedback, at least from employees who say, do we do internal promotions? I don't hear enough about them. I always try to highlight them in HR forums. We do it in a leadership meeting, on, which we have one on Thursday. Um, but I thought this was really good. We had nine, 926 internal candidates of jobs filled. Yeah, almost the same number. And um, 672 nursing, um, average time to fill nursing jobs, 68 days. Um, and we're still working on that. Average time to onboard at, you know, less than 19 days, almost 19. But... Again, for management, they're always going to be over 30 because most people that are management jobs get 30 days notice and all of that. As soon as my slide changes, <laughs> that's okay. There we go. This is an impressive number. So this is the number of volunteer hours last year. So over 21,000 volunteer hours. And an interesting intersection between our health path interns and volunteer hours is many of our health path interns, if they don't get a job right away, they'll go and sign up to be a volunteer. And that's also another entry point for them to get a job. Um, I will say in HR, in the last three years I've been here, we've hired two people from our health path intern, so. Florida, if you were to apply our average hourly wage within HS to that, what would it be in terms of dollars? Oh, God, I reported on that number last year, if you guys remember. It was uh, close to a million dollars, but I, I didn't do that this year. They didn't get me that number, but I can report back if you'd like me to come back and, and give you that. That would be an interesting piece of data. And is this integrated into our community report? Yes. Okay, good. So this is Health Path Year in Review. 432 um, people came through our doors last year, which is really impressive. I really like to highlight Health Path because I think it's one of the best things that we do along with Bridge Clinic and some of our other clinics. But this program is really great for um, use. And, you know, we don't just see Alameda County. We get college students in the summertime from universities all over the United States, to be honest with you. Um, but I just think that this is really, really um, such a valuable program. And, uh, you know, we continue to look for funding because we're almost out of our funding that we originally got the $10 million back in 2015. Um, one of the goals and one of the things that we attested to when we received those monies was that we would embed those administrative jobs into our infrastructure. And last year I embedded the two managers and one coordinator. And then this fiscal year, I'm planning on um, trying to embed two of the other two FTEs so that there will be no administrative costs coming out of these funds. Um, and it will just be the program costs, right? Of generating the programming um, and for the stipends that we give to the youths. And, uh, and so I just thought that was a really good thing for you to see. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of, lot of kids. Sometimes yeah. we, I mean, Health Path in prior years has, has gone as far as over 500 youths that we serve. Um, but I think it's a really impressive number. And just to give you some scope um, 
years ago, I used to work for Sutter San Francisco, what we call the West Bay region. And my numbers were about 300 uh, children placed in four hospitals, uh, around 11,000 people. And this number is for a, a much smaller footprint of a health system. And so we are doing great things. And then this is just another plug. Uh, we're looking for more people to participate uh, from a management standpoint to host our interns. Um, and so we did this on the CEO chat today. We'll be doing it at the leadership meeting. And so wherever we get an opportunity, we try to make a plug for people to host our interns. Ms. Jones, what, what does that mean cost to department $6,400 per intern? The, the department has to pay to get an, is paying that to get the intern? Yes, yeah. And then we supplement that, right? There's a supplement that comes from the, the internal um, program as well. And like, we're doing some creative things this year. Um, some of our views come to us and they don't have appropriate clothing. We're gonna start a clothes closet. We're gonna buy everybody um, some type of, you know, collared shirt so that people that, you know, you will know it's a health path intern. Um, and so uh, just, again, just one of the best things um, that we have to offer from the HR standpoint is this program and really, really near and dear to my heart. Questions? Questions, comments? Thank you so much. Thank you. So, it's time for our trustees. Have any comments? Our executive leadership team. Do you have? Do you all have any comments? No. Well, once again, thank you guys so much for um, the presentations. They were amazing and just outstanding work. And I wish. A whole lot of other people could actually see this. I see we have, you know, 25 or 26 people on, but I wish there was a way that we could actually publicize this so everyone could see um, what our HR committee is doing and what our HR team is doing. You guys do a lot of great work and we really appreciate it. Um, with that, I will close out. If I don't see any hands, any hands there, any comments on Zoom? No? Okay. All right. With that, I wish you guys a good evening and a nice way to start the new year off with our HR committee. You guys have a good evening and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. I'm taking, if you guys have any.